guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Let's do this. Okay. Um, do you, how close does Anna have to be to the mic to be? Just stay the same distance and I'll adjust it. Like, don't lean back or forward a bunch and I'll. Oh, girl. <laughs> you get. <laughs> yeah. And then. <laughs> okay, ready? Yes. Let's do it. Oh, oh, oh. Turn that shit off, please. <laughs> <laughs> Rise and shine, everybody. It's really hot outside. <laughs> it's not Groundhog Day. It's the Bitch Seed. It's the Bitch Seed Podcast. Welcome, folks. Uh, I'm Lissa. I'm Phil. And um, it has been a long time since we've done this. I know. I'm so happy to be here. Let's start at the top. You're listening to the Bitch Seat, like we just said. You should follow us on uh, on Twitter at... The... Underscore... Bitch... Underscore... Seat. Or uh, on Instagram at... The Bitch Seat. No underscore... Um, but most importantly, most importantly, my friends, subscribe. Uh, you, well, you downloading see, is more important than subscribing. You can download every episode and then you can just delete it. It's fine. But don't like, even listen. The thing counts the downloads. Don't just just download and go. Download and go. And then it takes up a lot of space on your yeah. phone. So I understand if you don't want to keep it forever. Yeah. I mean, Only I keep things forever. I Yeah. But the thing about digital media is that you can delete it and it feels good on your brain because you're not walking on like a carpet covered in podcasts because uh, podcasts don't do that. My brain isn't carpeted. I have hardwood floors. You know what? I envy your brain. I have a dirty carpet that just I haven't vacuumed in a while. Like it, it smells like Lagavulin. Do you think Lagavulin? I think that Pete, that Petey Scotch tastes like carpet. No, it 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 it, it smells like like old eighties carpet, like old eighties. That's what I'm saying. Is that does that smell like Lagavulin? I don't know, but I don't drink Scotch really for that reason. Then why are you okay? Uh, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. You could find <laughs> us there. Uh, Please, um, if anybody's out there listening to this ever at any point, we want to hear from you. So, you know, hit us up at all of those social media places or at lissamandel.com. There's a bitch seat page. Reach out to us. Um, or we could keep screaming into the void, which we will do anyway. We'll do that until we um, create our own tulpas who listen to us. Nobody knows what tulpas are. Yes, they do. That is a Native American act, or like, not even Native American. That is an ancient, th- a tulpa is a, is a created cre- a, a person <laughs> that you create yourself of yourself. And it's, it, it, a clone? It, it's a clone, but it's like a, a spirit clone. It's not really like a full-blooded clone. It's like a... Here's the deal, listeners. We've been watching the Twin Peaks. Tulpas have been around way okay, before Twin Peaks. Okay, but that Peaks. is where it got lodged in your brain because of Twin Peaks. It, it got black lodged into my Everything brain. Everything that Phil says is through the lens of Twin Peaks lately. I don't and know what I'm going to do when it's over. You're going to be Dougie. Very despondent. You're going to be Dougie wandering I'm not, around I'm not and Dougie lost. anymore. I stuck, my, I stuck my fork into an outlet, and I am Phil Casale again. 
I am awkward silences. You know, like he is, he is the FBI. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. Guys, Twin Peaks was confusing the first time around. It's even more insane this time around. Um, what are you, CNN? I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, too. But I think you don't even realize how many references you make that are actually, like, obliquely direct, like related to Twin Peaks. And I'm like, not everybody is in that place. I don't see. You're looking much like a person watching Twin Peaks. You're looking for things that I'm doing that are that reference Twin Peaks. But I've actually, in the last few weeks, I've been paying attention to that and just living my life accordingly. And you're just looking for symbols in my routine that echo Twin Peaks. What is my life if not looking for symbols? That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Well, anyway. Anyway. Um, uh, listen, thank you, David. Okay. Thank you. And Mark Frost. <laughs> Are you on a first name basis with David Lynch Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We hang out at the, at the Bigfoot Lodge all the time. I bet he, he likes that place. He does go there. Of course. I have not been there when he's been there, but I will be there when he's there. That's a threat. And I'll ask him if he's got a light. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Okay, listen. So our guest today, who we'll hear from in a moment, is <laughs> the delightful Anna La Madrid. And uh, before we get to to her, um, we're going to have a little flashback to July of 2001, because as I was saying earlier, um, as the bitch seat gets older, um, the entries get younger or more recent, I should say. So, um, in other words, closer to my actual self. And we stay the same. No, I continue to evolve. So do we, you. We continue. Well, right now in this instance, we are, we are a static uh, <laughs> assembly of parts because we're in service of, of one purpose. Anyway, Phil, what happened in July of two thousand? July two thousand one. Well, music. Uh, the the top four songs uh, that I picked that I remember was "You Remind Me" by Usher. Um, it was a, right around also the time, uh, I think May of 2001 was when I d- discovered the, the I mentioned this in the previous episode, the TV station in my town, and I began producing my own show for that. It lasted one episode because I had school. Uh, you Remind Me by Usher, uh, Bootylicious by Destiny's Child. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, Here's to the Night by Eve Six, which is uh, an anti-rape song that was my prom song. <laughs> Really? Yes. And also Drops of Jupiter, which which Ugh, I fucking hate it. was uh, publicized and managed by our good friend, Brian Lucrezia. Really? He worked for the label at the time, and that was like his project was Drops of Jupiter. Poor Brian. Poor Brian, yeah. But, you know, he's he's doing good now. He is, uh, he's, he's, he's doing wonderful. I, mean, I love you, Brian. Uh, hope to catch up with you. Anyway, movies. Uh, Legally Blonde was out. Um, didn't get to see that in theaters. Saw that uh, on a plane sometime, and I enjoyed it. I was a, uh, you know, a popular uh, British musical. Now, go figure. Uh, also, this was a fun summer to hate movies. Uh, Planet of the Apes came out. The the lousy Tim Burton remake. Uh, good makeup. Good makeup, but not very good movie. Uh, Jurassic Park three. Better than Jurassic Park 2. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, the one movie that actually, when it ended and the and the the credits went up, 
I think all six of us, my friends, uh, looked at each other and was like, what the fuck did we just see? It was Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. You know what? You listing all these things kind of makes me realize that by this point, I had already fully checked out of whatever was culturally relevant. Yeah, well, at this point, generationally, I think we were we were moving out of well, just I had blindly just, going to movies. I had just graduated high school, and I had no time for any bullshit whatsoever. Oh, this was... Uh, I was heading into my senior year. I was doing a show at the time, so I wasn't really, I wasn't really going to movies and stuff. But I was hearing about this stuff. But my friend Andy was really obsessed with Final Fantasy, and we had to go see it. And also, it was interesting because it was the first CG, fully CGI movie, mm-hmm. and the eyes on the characters were so dead, but the rendering was so lifelike that it was the whole movie just felt like a, a popcorn fart because, like, <laughs> you're, you you want to care about these people, but when you look in their eyes, there's nothing there. And it would only get worse the more Robert Zemeckis would utilize Tom Hanks uh, and the the Panda Express. The what is it? Polar uh, Express. Polar Express. <laughs> I want to see Tom Hanks in the Panda <laughs> Express. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the orange chicken. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's get to the entry. <laughs> okay. I'm done. Oh yes, the bell the bell has returned. Phil just um, silenced himself. I didn't even have to do that. Uh, so yeah, so this is right after I graduated high school. Um, I was working sort of in production a little bit on some play in New Haven that I don't even remember what the play was and I wasn't invested at all. I was just kind of having a crush on this guy, um, who I didn't really know at all. Uh, and he kind of reminded me of like a a bear, but like a cute little teddy bear, not like a big grizzly bear. Anyway, I didn't know him at all. This was based purely on like one conversation conversation we had, but then he decided that he was really into me, and then um, uh, we had like one makeout session, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not interested at all." Uh, anyway, as you'll see, this entry my the older I got, the more my writing became like less like narrative storytelling and more just like stream of consciousness, whatever, just to get the thoughts out. So here we are. Uh, it's in a steno notebook. It's not even in a diary. What's its name? I didn't name any of my steno notebooks. I just turned them out. I'm beginning to have some serious doubts. Me, the guys, guys in general, my short attention span, kissing as a task, a chore. No, but it's always been that way, even after a while with Jordan, certainly with Art. Randy was the only one of whom I never tired. I could have gone on kissing him forever, to sound trite. But it wasn't the physical kissing and isolated action. It was always the person, knowing it is that person I'm getting close to. I loved Randy, who he was, his absolute being. I loved, admired, adored, needed him so badly that it felt so good to be so close to him, mentally and physically. The fact that we were kissing only enhanced my previous emotions for him. They were an enriching add-on, but I would have felt so strongly entwined, entangled, connected, wound to his soul and being, with or without the kissing, like maybe his mouth was a doorway to his soul. Like I would have jumped down his throat and kissed his pulmonary vein if, he, if it had been possible. If it would have allowed me to feel even closer to him. I don't know oodles of stuff about the male species in general, but I do know gut instincts, something I certainly know. And they say when kissing is a yes thing and when it is a no thing. And I also feel when it is an eh thing. The only kissing that should be actively continued is of the yes variety. Any eh kissing, well, if it is not giving me pleasure, why do it? Someone else could be getting pleasure from kissing the same guy, so why am I wasting his mouth's time and freshness? He should save it for someone who wants his soul. Get the most out of it. Everyone should use kissing for optimum pleasure. 
purposes only. Mediocre kissing experiences should be terminated immediately. Both ends of the kissing conversation should be givers and receivers of maximum pleasure and need and passion. Otherwise, one member's emotion is wasted and the other member's mouth time is being wasted. I'm not trying to sound nasty, just honest and practical. Why shouldn't kissing be a mutual exchange, a mutual and equal business negotiation? It's about a tug of war that lasts the entire time, pull from both ends, a seesaw. And that was the, that I stopped writing and then I put a Fiona Apple quote. No, not baby anymore. If I need you, I'll just use your simple name. Only kisses on the cheek from now on. And in a little while, we'll only have to wave. This is troubling. <laughs> as, as, like, as, a, as a practiced listener of, of Lisa Mandel journals from your childhood to now, this is like your white album phase. <laughs> you're, you're discovering that you like need more meaning in your life beyond just crushes and kissing. And like, this, if if young Lissa, yeah, like two years, one year younger than than this Lissa, were to know that you made out with a dude, she'd be like, "Oh my god, I want to make out with a dude." But like this Lissa was like, "I made out with him. I don't care. Tastes yeah. like a bear. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, I hate. I hate kissing. Uh, if there's no meeting, it's yeah, so night and day. And I'm a bit. I'm, I'm a big fan of of discover of hearing you grow. It, yeah, it's really I mean it I I really went from somebody who was just so needing of attention from wherever I could get it to somebody who just was like I this is where I became my efficient the New Yorker was coming out. Yeah. I was like I don't have any time for bullshit garbage kissing. Gone where the I want to hold your hand entries and here was fucking honey pie over here or something like that. Or Honey pie isn't hard enough. I love honey pie. Okay, fine. No, I uh, love I'm honey so pie. tired. I'm so tired. You're blues. Your blues, Buff- Bungalow Bill. <laughs> Don't pass me by. Um, Savoy Truffle. <laughs> no, what's a no bullshit Beatles song? Like, like what's an angry Beatles? Definitely song? anything John wrote at that time. So probably uh, your blues, uh, getting lonely. Yeah, some yeah. some harsh guitar riffs. Anyway, yeah. Um, and this wasn't even. Th- this is like on the way to being. Like, my entries became, when I started freshman year of college, which we will get to uh, later, some other time, um, I was so, like, outside of my body depressed. I was just, so, I was, like, ripping my flesh off my face because I was just so depressed and I hated being in Chicago so bad that my entries just became, like, scrawled, angry like one word at a time, like there weren't even sentences. So we'll, we'll get to that. And nice. I'm, I didn't think we'd ever get to that because I wanted to keep the show really like nice. fun and sweet and poignant. You're but. getting into the John Lennon heroin phase. I am. Sadly, That's... no heroin. But I did start Lexapro freshman year of Close. college. Close enough. Um, anyway, so so here we are. And um, on today's episode, we have um, an, an actor... I don't want to say actress. I don't know how she feels about the word actress. Like, yeah, thumbs down. That's like how I feel about comedian. Go fuck yourself. Brilliant actor who I know from the Maggie Flanagan studio in New York um, has continued out here to um, to perform on stage, which I find really inspiring. She is currently uh, in a production of uh, As You Like It at the Antaeus Theater um, playing Phoebe, uh, one of the best Shakespeare roles that there is. And she is hilarious and delightful. And our guest today is Anna La Madrid. Okay. So we zoom into a bedroom window on the second floor of a house. We see Anna, 17 years old, standing in front of a full-length mirror, 
she's crying gently and the tears are bringing mascara lines down the front of her face. On the other side of the room is like all of her childhood memories and the other, this side is uh, the growing portion of her teenage years. And uh, it, you see like the adult coming out on one side and she's sort of torn. She's sort of sitting between both, both sides. Yeah, she's wearing like a pink frilly skirt that she's had since she was like eight, but also like a black bra. And she just can't decide, who am I now? Yeah. Who am I? Between who she was, who she is, and who she's going to be. Anna, welcome to the bitch seat. Okay. I want this childhood. Whatever you guys just said. <laughs> I want that moment. Good. <laughs> it's supposed to be idealized. <laughs> yeah, oh, very much. Oh my gosh, that was great. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I have so many things to say. Good. I was like, oh, I can't. I know. Nothing. I'm so sorry. We do this like tease thing where you have to no, just No, but sit I and... love it. I was like, I got to bring up Usher. I got to bring up a lot of things. Yeah, bring it up. Whatever came to mind. Well, I love Usher, but you guys heard he's being um, sued. Yeah. For Do you want to explain to the listeners? Yes, I've heard what this is, but yeah. So apparently he has herpes or some kind oh, of Oh, I STD, didn't know about that. And uh, like three or four women have come out that they contracted it because he didn't tell them. Oh. Because he's, he had a dirty D. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, herpes isn't the worst thing. It could be. It could be, yes. Like syphilis still, or some shit. Herpes is permanent. Right. I mean. Yeah. You're always going to have, yeah. It's, that's a souvenir for life. That's for life. Yeah. I mean, it's Usher's. He yeah. He does make good songs. <laughs> but, uh, and I think there was a guy involved. Oh. As well, yeah, Usher's fluid. You know, he's, he's he doesn't live by any boundaries. No, he doesn't. People come he up to him it. and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yes, so Usher. So that brings up good memories. What what else did were you chomping at the bit to to talk? Can I about? just say, hearing you read your entry was mm-hmm. like, you should be like the millennial Daniel Steele. <laughs> <laughs> because how you managed to use oodles with pulmonary vein and like make it work, that's special. And I was like, I want to hear all of this book. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, thanks. It was poetic, but funny and like, eh. Oh, well, know. thank you. You have, a, you have a gift with the language. Oh, thank you. I used to. I think I might have killed every brain cell with weed <laughs> between then and now. I thought it's supposed to make you more creative. It does. And then, but it, then you look at what you wrote and sober, like, and you're like, "That was a hot mess." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. It'll become if it, it's. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe I'll just like die early, and then all of my journals can just be published posthumously. I've thought about that. Yeah, my morning pages. You still write I, morning pages? Yeah, but I started later. Um, but I was kind of sifting through them, and I'm like, this is all garbage. I don't ever want this to be found. So I was actually thinking I wanted to have a burning ritual. Oh, just, yeah. I just let all that go. They could be called morning pages with a U. Uh, yes. Mm, that was good. Sorry. I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Um, well, yeah, so if that, so if this description was not of your childhood, what is, what is bring us there. Of your actual childhood. I don't even know where you grew up. I have no idea. Are you from New York? No. Um, I was born in Venezuela. Awesome. Uh, we came to the U.S. when I was eight. Mm-hmm. I lived in New Jersey for a while. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I used to say coffee and turn the light off. Where in New Jersey? Jersey you? City. So okay. it was like right across the river from New York. Mm-hmm. That's legit. Yeah. Then my parents split when I was uh, 12. 
Um, then I went and lived in Germany for a year with my sister because her husband was in the military, so I lived in a military base. Mm -hmm. And then came back, moved to North Carolina. Oh, my God. Then went to high school, finished high school there, moved to Atlanta, and then moved to New York. What? Yeah. I went to five different high schools, so uh, (laughs) I'm adaptable. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you seem, you are definitely one of the more grounded people that I know, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, that is pretty impressive given that whole so like did you every time you moved every time you were taken from one place to another were you resistant to the change were you sentimental about it or were you ready to go um once I share my thing it was very sentimental and I think that was my first move like that felt that I was leaving Venezuela no when I uh left New Jersey for the first time to go to North Carolina Mm -hmm. I think I was we tried to move there when I was like in sixth grade Mm-hmm. And then came back and then went back my uh, freshman year. So it was very sentimental that first time. But after a while, my mom, for whatever reason, just pe- picked up and left a lot. So uh, it was, I was like, okay, I guess I'll start a new school. And was it just you and your mom? Um, it was. Traveling around? Me and my brother and my mom. And your brother's older or younger? Older. I'm the youngest. There's six of us. Damn. Yeah. But a lot of them are like a lot older. Right. Yeah. Well, because so. one of them was in Germany. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Wow. That was her second daughter. Oh, my God. So, like, you had a really fractured family experience. Yeah. And how did you – I mean, I can't even imagine because, like, I, I lived in the same house my entire life. I th- think about that sometimes. Like, I envy people that have that kind of – it seems idyllic kind of childhood. Sure. Um but then I don't, I don't, I don't even know because my experience is just so normal to me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I felt completely trapped the entire time. You did. Yeah. Um, not that I didn't. I mean, I love my family. I do. Um, but but they're problematic people, as we all are. You know, they're super super neurotic, and so when you can't get out of that place. Yeah. Uh, so so y- the artifact that you have brought. Let's get right into it because you already brought it up. Yeah. So do you want to give a context for this? So um, this was the first time that I moved. I was in sixth grade. I had a best friend. Her name was Masha. And um, she was Russian. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how we became friends. I was thinking about her uh, this morning because I was like, she was the coolest girl in school. Like, she used to be a model. She would model for the Barbie catalog. Oh, my God. I didn't know there was a Barbie catalog. There was a Barbie catalog. And she, you know, we were like 11. Yeah. Um, She just felt very cosmopolitan. And I was Mm -hmm. just this, like, chubby immigrant. (laughs) Just learned (laughs) English. Like, I was a tomboy. I was like, how are we friends? Um, so it was my first time moving and we, it was like one of the last few Saturdays that I had in New Jersey before leaving to North Carolina and we hung out the whole day and we decided that we were going to write songs mm-hmm. to say goodbye to each other. <laughs> and how old were you again at this like point? 11. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it's a song that I wrote and I can't believe that I still remember the melody. Oh, I I remember songs that I wrote when I was, like, in fourth grade, dude. Yeah. Um, This is very Debbie Gibson inspired. Perfect. (laughs) I've never sung this out loud to anyone in my life. This is a safe space. It's a safe space. Um, Okay, I'll just sing the whole thing. It's very repetitive, too, mind you. It's an 11-year-old. Sweet. We're not judging. It's great. Ready? Okay. 
Sometimes people you care about just leave you, but sometimes you might leave them too. You care about them, so they care about you too. I can't stand to see you go because I'll miss you, miss you really. Because I'll miss you, miss you, yeah, 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 yeah. Second verse. I'll cry with lots of tears in my eyes. I can't stand to see you go. I'll look at your picture every day. Because I'll miss you, miss you really. Oh, yes. That's so sweet. Did you sing it to her? We sang it to each other. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. Awesome. Can, and when you sing it, like, did you <laughs> did you hear in your mind the whole, the whole like, instrumental background behind it? Or did you imagine it as an I think we imagined. No, no. We imagined it with music. Yeah. Um, and she had written other lyrics, and I helped her with the melody of her lyrics. And I just remember sitting in her living room, and we, like, sang it. And it was, oh. like, our goodbye ritual. Did you keep in touch with her? Um, sadly, no. Oh, Masha. Masha. Masha, Masha, Masha. <laughs> um, though I do, she is, was a model. I mean, I stalked her on Facebook for a bit. Yeah, of course. Um, just to see how she's doing. Um, she is a model. She was a stylist. She lives in New York now again. And oh, my she's God. like the still the coolest fucking girl I've ever oh. met in my entire life. Um, so... Yeah. That's amazing. All the best to you, Masha. <laughs> if you're out there, Masha. Masha, we, we want to make this happen. Oh, my God. We so should have a reunion. Yeah. No, I don't. No? I'm not cool enough. Oh, that is ridiculous. Oh, no, I'm telling you. No. Uh, there's some people that, you know, the cool New York people. Like, I think you're a cool New York girl. No, but they like, they like hang out in like artist exhibits and like, you know, Andy yeah. Warhol kind of shit. That's like that level. Because they're all <laughs> trying to feel vulnerable yeah. again. You you show somebody a friend they haven't seen in like 20 years, they're going to, they'll, they'll, they'll be ready. Yeah. I'm wondering if I'm that. stalkerish though for remembering all of these details. She's probably like, Anna who? Yeah. No. Mm. No. You don't write a song with somebody and forget about that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Especially a that's song. That's intimate. Yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> it's a good, very that was a good song. Especially when it's like, I'll look at your picture every day. I was like, were we in a relationship? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were. It's Kids a really special kind yeah. of relationship. When I, when I was uh, uh, in fourth grade, my friend, my best friend, Bridget, her family moved to Scottsdale, Arizona from Connecticut. And it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was really hard. Because you see this person every day and your world is so small, like that's going to be a really big part yeah. of it. And also before you start dating people, you have feeling, you have a block of feelings for particular people until yeah. you start like, it starts getting partitioned off to like relationship, best friend, you know. It, it, it's it's you a deep just, connection. Yeah, you feel all the things at the people that you feel things for and before you're told how to, how yeah. to do it. Yeah. Or you Compartmentalize it. Yeah. <laughs> or before hormones. But yeah. <sighs> Man, so you had to be really good at saying goodbye. Like, you had to be a, become a professional at that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like after that, it was just the thing that I kind of expected, it. especially going to five different high schools. I mean, it's just like every year. So did you find doing that, that, first of all, um, were you traumatized by being the new kid that many times? Or by the end, were you just like, who the fuck cares? I am just myself, regardless of where I am. Um, some of the stuff was traumatizing. Um, 
I remember my sophomore year, I went back to New Jersey and started high school there. But they had uh, freshmen and transfer students go to school the same day. And they have a ritual where the upperclassmen would wait outside for the kids to come out and would follow them and throw eggs at them. Oh, my God. Uh. Because they were freshmen. And I remember, like, running to my house and yelling, I'm not a freshman. They didn't give a fuck. It was just like, you're a new kid. So um, getting pegged with eggs in New Jersey. Uh, I hope that tradition is no longer. <laughs> no, eggs, eggs always happen in but New Jersey. But it's Bill's from New Jersey. Um, Actually, I got pegged with an egg in Toronto one time. Why? But Last week? It was, like, it was 10 years ago. I was like on the street and somebody threw an egg at me, but it bounced off my belly and hit the ground. It didn't didn't shatter. That's funny. They used to egg our house, like, but only... But it was it was adults. Yeah. It was adults, and it was politics. So it was just like I'm sorry, adults were egging your house in New Jersey. Yeah, because when you get involved in like the board of education election, you're dealing mm. with a lot of like adult children, who who go to work for their uncle or cousin who's running, and so they'll like take out a park bench that you put like you'll have a park bench that you put up on your lawn to like sit sit out for like the sunset because we have a pretty nice view, and they'll just take out a leg. Or they'll throw a brick at it to break it, or like they'll throw an egg, because it's, life doesn't have to be that way. Did it doesn't you know have that? to be that way. Well, that's why we don't really do the pol- political thing. Anymore. And that's in New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey. But like New this Jersey is like a bad name. <laughs> this is the nice suburban section of New Jersey. Yeah, the nice. They're not looking all in New quotes. Not yeah, all I say nice in quotes. No, no, not all New Jersey. Actually, I wish I'd been to Jersey City more when I was in college or growing up. Because I only discovered it towards the end of my time there. Mm. Yeah, because it became. Eventually, another extension of New York. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it, was, it always kind of was because uh, it was it was not New York, and there's a path drain, and everybody utilized the path. I am the awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, question. Yes. Uh, in all of your travels around, um, after you had left Venezuela, I'm super interested in your childhood in Venezuela. Did you ever feel like you wanted to go back there? Did you feel disconnected from your roots? Were you ready to leave it and be an American? Like how how because like you were there till you were eleven? Like that's a eight. Sub- eight. Still old enough to have memories. That's yeah. a substantial amount of time. What what is your relationship to that country? Um, it's weird. Uh I don't feel it I feel kind of fragmented. In some mm-hmm. ways I think that might be the Let's bring back Maggie thematic yes, chord yes. in like finding home because yes. I don't feel that I've ever really had one. And especially when you're an immigrant, um, I feel very bicultural. Like I'm not – if I go to Venezuela, I'm not really Venezuelan. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm too mm-hmm. Americanized. But right. then I'm still an other here. Right. So it's just like finding where you fit has never been an easy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of exist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when – go ahead. Go what ahead. were your uh, coping mechanisms for that? When you were in high school, or a humor, probably. Oh um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't ever have a lot of friends, uh, but I always had a very close other person, or like maybe three people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just laughing <laughs> a lot or making people laugh. I was the the class clown, but also the nerd at the same time. 
Well, that's a pretty cool crossover. So, like, I would, I remember, you know, the teacher would ask a question. I would raise my hand first. And sometimes I didn't even know the answer. But she was just like, anybody besides Anna, you know. It was oh just like gosh. I had already tricked them into thinking I was, like, the smartest one. <laughs> and then just, you know, there was this kid. Oh, my God, McAdam. I'm so sorry if you're out there and you're listening. <laughs> I made his life miserable. He was, like, the awkwardest kid ever. He was tall, lanky, had just, like, moppy hair. Um, Do you remember his last name? I don't. I knew a McAdam just remember in New McAdam. York, and he was an actor. He did Shakespeare stuff. I don't know if he stuff. was an actor. I, I mean, who knows? We were in fourth grade. Yeah. And he used to make these noises, and <laughs> just like random, like, or whatever he did. Yeah. And I would remember getting him into trouble. So the teacher would turn around and start writing oh. the excitement, and I would mimic whatever voice she would, he would do. And she'd be like, McAdam, stop it. And he's like, I didn't. And then she would turn around, I'd do it again. And then she would kick him out of the class. I mean, I was. Oh, I want to see this reunion happen. A nightmare. Happen. And I'm like, I think about him sometimes too. I'm like, I'm sorry we bullied you. That's, yeah. <laughs> wow. That is a, that is a fucking superpower to be, to be like uh, an immigrant new kid who is also able to be the class clown. Like, I feel like class clown is a very special, you have to be super accepted to have that role. Yeah. So, good job. But yeah. then also trick the teachers into liking you. I was a teacher's pet. I mean, that was yeah. my main goal. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Um, but the fact that you were also having fun while doing it, I think, yeah. is a pretty advanced move. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So did you find that your um, your siblings were your allies in all of this craziness, or were you sort of a loner about it? Um. I would think my brother was like three years older than me. So we spent most of our middle school and stuff together. Mm -hmm. Um, The other ones are just so much older. Um, But I would say more often than not, it was just, it was my friends. Yeah. It wasn't familial. Our experiences were so different. I mean, an eighth grader has nothing in common with a fifth grader. I know. It's re- isn't that crazy now? Yeah. Like, so many of my friends are, like, maybe six or seven years younger than I yeah. am. And you're and like, I, I would yeah. never even look at you. Right. I would probably babysit you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was even it's taboo cute. to hang out with people a grade uh, below you. Yeah. Because it was like, what, you don't have friends in your grade? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. And all of my friends all were All of like, my friends were grade below <laughs> <laughs> So So, yeah. So, that, that was weird. And then with high school, we were all just kind of in different areas by that point. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't go to high school with any of my siblings. It's hard to, yeah, it was always hard to relate. I was always like uh, just out of sight of my sister's friends because she was- She's o- like three years older than four. you? Four. So yeah. whenever I was, when I started high school, she was already in college. And so it was It was never, it's hard to relate. You know, yeah. your, your siblings are not really your friends. No. <laughs> They're your siblings. After, it was until after college that we became friends. Well, I'm glad to hear that you yeah, are. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, I'm really close with my brother. Awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> At what point in your um, in your youth did you realize, or was it like right away, that you wanted to perform? Um, it was right away. My dad was actually a photographer and a, like a DP oh, in cool. Venezuela. Awesome. Um, so he used wow. to work for the Venezuelan channel. And um, he has pictures of, like, he also was a photographer, so he would take pictures of, like, Miss Venezuela when the astronauts came and visited. I think oh he God. had Buzz Aldrin's picture. Oh, my he God. Had to, he would travel great. all over South America and take pictures and do footage or whatever. So when he came to the U.S., he couldn't get into the union. It's kind of heartbreaking, but he lost that thing, and he was, like, painting houses and working at a factory. Ugh, yeah. Um, so that was the sad part of it, but I think just... I got it from him in mm-hmm. terms of like wanting to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the 
you know, the immigrant uh, pressure of like, you came here for the American dream. So, and my dad was very protective because he mm-hmm. saw how they treated actresses in Venezuela. He how? had this thing called, same here probably, <laughs> uh, but he was, it's called Operacion Colchon, which translates to um, Operation Mattress. Oh, so he was like, you. "You're gonna sleep your way to the top. You're gonna be casting you know, couch. a casting couch, oh, all that stuff." Wow. So he didn't. He wanted nothing. Me to have nothing to do with it. Right. So it wasn't until after I graduated undergrad that I, and spent some time working in the professional world that I shifted because I was like, "I've done the American dream. Yeah, I'm ready to do my dream." Exactly. So, yeah. Oh, good. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. But you always knew that you wanted to be like. Oh yeah, my mom has pictures of me. Um, I was like three, and I would put on this record and just like sing, sing and perform and dance for them um <laughs> we wrote the song but i remember yep. after school we would go to this place called mosquito park and it had in new jersey in new jersey and it had these like little cliffs by the street and mm-hmm. we would go there and throw concerts and it felt like <laughs> it felt like an arena uh. my friend and i would spend like an hour and a half after class after school ended i wouldn't get home till like 4 30 almost 5 mm-hmm. nobody was home i was a latchkey kid mm-hmm. um but having like I could have been Beyonce in my brain and I went there um after like you know in my late 20s and I went to Mosquito Park and it was like it was so little I was like wait this is not the same place I remember oh my god because to me it was it was like like, the Red Rocks amphitheater yeah it was beautiful and I was like it's like a little like a step (laughs) but for us it was Madison Square Garden for me you know yeah. It's so sad. It's so sad to me how little everything becomes later when on when you when you grow up because everything. I mean, so you know, I think it's a really important part of artists' life to like keep the wonder alive, like the, the the childlike wonder of things alive. But it's so hard because the older you get, the smaller and sadder everything yeah. seems around you. Like we. Uh, oh God, I wish I had the imagination that I had back then. Me too. But I feel like my imagination is dead. It's not dead. It just needs to be reawakened somehow. I, I feel like everything that you did as a kid, you include, like, you wind up doing later. You find yeah. a way back to it. But in that time, you've taken a road trip into adulthood and you just got to find a, an exit or a find a way back to the things that made you excited. I agree. And I think that most people don't ever do that because then they're just like, well, I got to pay my bills. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> hard to do that. It's hard to break out of the out of the chamber of, like, Having to pay bills, it's hard to do that. And if you can do that, it's the best thing you can do. But it's... Well, it's just deciding, like, I'm going to continue to make the sacrifice. I'm going to continue to be probably poor. I've been thinking a lot about monetizing art and and not monetizing art. Because I think that, for me, has been a big... uh, I feel like Khaleesi, breaker of chains. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. It's like the moment I can stop about, like... Am I, if I make this web series, will Netflix pick it up? Yeah. He was like, chill the fuck out. Why yeah. do you want to tell the story? And can you just tell the story for the process and for the sake of it? And if something good comes out of it, great. But I don't want to, I, I got this from, uh, what's her face? From Elizabeth e. Gilbert. Yeah. I knew, I like, knew you were talking about Big yeah, Magic. Yeah. But it was just like, don't. That's so. It made so much sense to me. Like, just stop fucking worrying about like. Yeah, I gotta pay my bills acting. That like, puts may so not. much pressure on the art. Then the art, the, the imagination is gonna crawl away. You know. You can. I mean, yeah. most of the theater that I'm doing now is like free. Like, right. I'm just donating my time, but it's because I want to tell these stories. Yeah. So, I'll make money somewhere else. 
Yeah. But you know, if you want to pay me for it. <laughs> I'm not going to turn I'm it down. <laughs> I'm not going to turn it down. Well, this is why I really, I mean, ultimately why I wanted to come to L.A. Because I was like, regardless of anything, I can audition for commercials. I can make money doing commercials. That's fine. It's not yeah. really art, but it's like a way that I can use my full like voice and body to make money enough that I can do the art that I yeah, care about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. So uh, commercial agents out there. In Los Angeles. Hit me up. <laughs> me too. Uh, me, you don't know me, but hit me up. Um, well, Anna, um, real quick. Yeah. I'm going to give you a gift. This is what we do with the, oh. at the end for all of our guests. Uh, some artifact from my youth that I saved, which is probably uh, worthless now. Um, and for whatever reason, I was inspired to do this. I had this collection of little perfume bottles. Mm. I never wore any of these perfumes. They smell like old ladies to me, but um, the bottles are super cute. And um, this is from the Bath and Body Works. It's a little, it's called Sunscape Cologne. And there are little sunflowers all over it. Very 90s. Um, and I don't know. Um, this is taking me back to my childhood. Yeah, if you smell it, like it smells like the 90s to me. I smelled it and I just had this uh I, I probably own the body spray. May yeah. I? Yes. Yeah, so this is when body sprays were like the thing. Oh yeah, in oh, my yeah. in the in the lobby of my dance class, it was just like sun ripened raspberries all up in this shit. Oh all yeah, sun- I had time. that. I had that body wash. Yep, yep. yep. But now it's like that's this is stripper smell. A stripper smell. I know. So you don't have to wear it, but like, but the bottles. The bottles really cute. Really cute. <laughs> but you know, if I ever feel like in that mood. You know, I should test it. I should wear this, go to a bar, and see, see what if happens. guys think I'm a stripper. If they're like attracted to see it, see if they think you're a stripper. If they get like a psychophysical response. Yeah. Like, I smelled this at the 4040 club. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. I just get dollars thrown at me. Um, would you like to plug anything? Um, you pop off? Well, I'm doing As You Like It at Anteus. We have two more weekends, and next week I start tech for another show that I'm doing. It's a world premiere of a play called Fixed by Boney Alvarez. It's at the Echo Theater. Congrats. Sweet. It's so fun. Awesome. Yes. It's a very fun play. Um, I'm th- it's not Shakespearean, but it's... Uh, <laughs> think of it, Romeo and Juliet, if Juliet was a ladyboy masseuse at a, a Filipino town. I love Harley. it already. I love it. Nice. And I, it's a love triangle, so I'm in love with the guy who's in love with miracles. Oh, well, I think it's fucking awesome how much how much you are always working. Thank Very you. Very inspiring. Yeah. yeah. It's been great to find, like, a community here in L.A. Because uh, coming from New York, I'm sure, mm-hmm. it, it just felt so compressed that it was easy to find community. Exactly. And I think first coming here, it seemed so sprawling. I was like, I'm never going to find it. You. But it's te- it's definitely here. And it's it's awesome to be embraced and nurtured and to meet all these wonderful artists so that's awesome yeah. that, that gives me hope to I, keep, yes it takes keep time for it. and I patience I hate and patience your first year I was like <laughs> crying in my car a lot yeah pretty much but now I feel better <laughs> okay yeah I feel like crying in your car is just like a thing that has to happen it's, a, yeah, it's, it's a like ritual. crying it's a, on the subway it's the yeah, same thing rite of passage yeah but I was crying in my subway in the subway all in well in my personal subway she had her own subway why did she come here anyway all for the entirety of the 12 years I was there. That never stopped. But it was okay. I think it's kind of beautiful. Did you ever just, like, wear glasses? It would be, like, 11 o'clock at night. You're crying. But I'm like, I'm going to put these glasses yeah, on. Yeah, of course. So they wouldn't see of it. Course. And meanwhile, the tears yep. just, like, and you're like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Public solitude, Anna. Public solitude. It's great. Oh, my God. Well, um, thank you so much thank for you. joining us this on the Pitch Seat. Um, yeah. Everybody check out Anna La Madrid. She is hilarious. Yes. And also. I'm so tired. 
That's yeah. the Beatles song. You mentioned it That's before. The, no, I said your blues. Did I say I'm so tired? Yeah, you did. I did. God damn it. I love that song, though. We okay. play it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't play it. Don't no. play it. Sorry, Veronica's like, no, fuck that. Okay. Um, cool, guys. Uh, we have a show? No, this isn't going to come out in time for that. We don't have a show. We are we done do, with the show. We will have had it. Our, <laughs> it's, it's done. You missed it. Probably the next show is going to be in New York. It's going to be Sunday, October 15th, if Phil says yes to this, which is the day I'm after gonna our wedding. I'm going to say yes to this. It's the not day after, after our, our wedding. It's not our what? wedding. It's no, it's the day after BJ and Steph's wedding. BJ Thorne and Stephanie Holmes. They're so married already. This is a celebration of them unmarrying, but it's a mar- it's a wedding. What? <laughs> um, I'm going to plug you guys and say, please go see their live event because I saw it in L.A. last year and I fell in love with you guys. I cried laughing. It was so much fun. Ah, so, thank you. Yes, Thanks. please go. Relive you. your childhood together. Indeed. 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 All right, guys. Well, you know. Treasure what got you here. <laughs> Kind of like that. We say it, and then the music hits. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot better. I'm into it. It's like we're hitting a gong. It's the end of the experience. Like, but it's a bell. History's greatest artistic works. Citizen Kane. Hamlet. The Flare Steamboat Trilogy. We'll only be discussing one of these on our new podcast, The Best There Ever Was. Where we discuss the art of professional wrestling and the emotional connection that brings us back to it. On season one, we're talking about greatest matches ever by members of the WWE Hall of Fame. But definitely not Coco Beware. I'm Facts. And I'm Chris. And join us, the Curtain Jerks, as we discuss wrestling's greatest matches on The Best There Ever Was on the Atlantic Transmission Network. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.